0: Welcome to the first Sunday of July. Yeah. It oh. <laughs> wasn't a lot of excitement, huh? The year is going by, but like it or not, this is the first Sunday of July, and uh, we are just continuing to move along. Can you believe that this whole year we have been traveling through the, the Gospel of Luke? And uh, today, in you know we've already passed kind of this halfway mark in our year, and, and we're still in Chapter 11. But uh, we're, we're moving along. Right. So last week, uh, if, if you were here last week or last couple of weeks, Pastor Toby has been uh, moving us through chapter 11 in Luke. And if you remember, Luke is a, a letter. It is a, a, a letter that is, is written by Dr. Luke. And he is explaining, you know, all these important details that that he thinks, um, you know, are pertinent to the life of Jesus Christ. And he's sharing all these details. And so now, now he's, he's beginning to, we already said, we've kind of come over this like hill and we're moving towards the cross. We're coming down and towards Jesus' ultimate, uh, you know, mission and purpose. And, and that was to, um, you know, to show us God's love through, you know, dying for us on the cross. And and what we see here. In chapter eleven is is that Jesus has begun to really interact with the Pharisees and um, the experts in the law, also uh, Sadducees. These are kind of the religious leaders of the time, right? And just giving us a little bit of understanding, you had um, you know these religious leaders and groups of leaders, and some of them, like the Sadducees, were usually you know they were from a higher class or they were Uh, you know a little bit different from the common people but here we're talking about the pharisees and these are people like you and i maybe that had really devoted themselves to god that had followed and done their best to really uphold you know all the laws that god had given them the ways that he had told them to live their life right Many of these Pharisees started out as as people that studied the law. They were experts in the law. They were maybe even lawyers. And then they had become accepted into this group of Pharisees. And these were kind of like, in some ways, they were like the people's heroes. They were the people that, you know, that we would maybe look up to. It was like, man, those guys are, are so good. They're so on top of it that, man, they follow all of God's law so amazing. You know, I I. I I wish maybe one day I can be as holy as them, right? That's kind of who these people are. And really, like, what, what, what are some of the things that, that Jesus accuses them of as he interacts them with is that they're missing the big picture, right? They're missing the big picture, and they're focusing on these little details, So some of the things that we know just from the general history is that Israel, you know, that as God's people, um, this nation, and interacting with God, then God had sent them prophets and told them, hey, this is how you need to change. This is how you need to live. This is what you need to do. And they didn't listen. They rebelled. They sinned against God. And so God kind of let them to, okay, you're going to do that. You're going to reap the consequences. And so these people were exiled. They were kicked out of their land. They were uh, put under oppression, right? And it's in that time, as as they were kind of exiled and in in this land of of Babylon, that many of these kind of laws began to get made, these extra laws, okay? And so just to give you an example, right, it would be like, uh, you know, later on today, we're going to take communion, And uh, Pastor Jenny will lead us in that. And and she'll invite us to come down these rows in an orderly fashion, right? And so maybe we would say normally, hey, why don't you come down these rows in in just a a nice and orderly way and then come and receive communion and return back to your seat. Maybe that's kind of the rule that we say, hey, that's a good rule. But then I think, you know what? I don't know. Some of you look a little tired. I'm going to help you be orderly and maintain. So when you walk down this aisle and you alternate your steps right and left, you cannot sway more than three inches to the left or more than three <laughs> inches to the right, right? And so I've given you this new law. And now you, so now you're thinking, okay, that, that's good. But then you also, we don't want you to bump into the person in front of you, so you must at all times maintain a space of one and a half feet, but not too much, because then the line will get too too far. So one and a half to two feet, okay? And so we begin to just add and add and add and add more rules and more rules. And then me, as the one that I made the rules, and I think they're pretty good rules, I'm going to be there with a measuring stick like, hey, DeAnthony, watch that le- Hey, inch, man. Come on, <laughs> three inches? Come on, dude. I, kn- I know you're a bright guy. Come on, you know. Hey, hey, that looks like two and three quarters feet. Step back, you know. So they begin to really look at all these little things and get so stuck on the little things that the big thing of just, hey, let's just come down the aisles in orderly fashion and, you know, don't bump into each other. um, It really changes, right? And that's a lot like our life. When we look at, you know, what God has given us, he's he's laid out these guidelines for, you know, this is how you're going to live, you know, a full life on earth. And out of that kind of maybe even starting from a good place, we begin to, to close in these walls and these fences alongside the path of, of, we don't want to go too much this way. We don't want to go too much that way. We want to do, you know. And so what happens? We get focused on those little things. And then a big thing that happens anytime maybe you've experienced this, when you're so stuck on all these rules, is you lose your joy. Your joy has gone. It's left. And all you can see is just lines and rules and boundaries. And, um, and that's kind of the, the world that, that we find Jesus in at this time. So there, there's, there's many different laws, hundreds of different laws that have, that have been added on by the leaders, by the elders in, in this time. And in, in last week, you know, Pastor Toby covered kind of the middle of chapter 11. And the final part of that, final part of that was, was talking about, you know, you are like a lamp. And what is inside of you, that's what's going to come out, right? And he talked to us about, you know, if there's light inside you, the light's going to come out, right? But there's also that, that kind of, of like if there's darkness, the darkness is going to come out. I remember when, when I, I first, like, really became a Christian, I had a moment when, um, when I, I remember the Lord was telling me that, you know, I had to make a choice. And he said, there's no in-between, okay? But you got to make a choice. And he told me that you have a great potential to influence people. And at all times, whether you realize it or not, you're influencing people. But you're influencing them for good or you're influencing them for bad. You're making their lives better, or you're making their lives worse. And that really you made me think, is that there's no in-between. There's no, hey, I'm just neutral, or I'm just nothing, or, I'm just out of it. No, you're 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 either making a positive impact or a negative impact, and I think that is kind of the core of Jesus' engagement uh, with these Pharisees and experts at this time that we're going to get into. And so, uh, as we go through this, you know, portion of scripture, I encourage you to think, you know, maybe in your mind, you know, what is your impact? You know, what is your impact? All right, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you humbly. We acknowledge that that you are Lord. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that this Sunday, as, as we look forward to sharing communion together, we're reminded of how much you love us, that you held nothing back. You held nothing back, that you gave your only son, Jesus, to us that we would know how much we mean to you and that you are a God of love. Lord, we thank you for your word. we thank you that that you have given us your word this Bible, this collection of, of books that that tells us your story that tells us who we are and who you are. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us, that you would open up our hearts and our minds, that we would be able to receive what you have this morning. We thank you, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. So like I mentioned, Jesus has been engaging with these religious leaders, with these Pharisees. And today our our passage is Luke eleven thirty seven 37 to 54, as you see up there. And let's start to read together because in verse 37, this is after Jesus had kind of finished the whole conversation about, hey, you're you're like a lamp. Remember, you're like a lamp. You either have light inside or you have darkness. And verse 37 says, when Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not wash before the meal. Now, a lot of us, we we think, okay, that's kind of, you know, okay. I got kids, right? And I'm always telling them, like, brush your teeth in the morning. If Kai comes in from outside, I'm like, wash your hands before you eat, you know, that type of thing, right? It makes sense, right? I mean, why wouldn't you want to wash your hands? And, And here, it's like Jesus gets invited to their house, and they're like, hey, he didn't wash his hands. Did you see that? He didn't wash his hands. And they're so... Surprised, But that's not actually what they're talking about. What they're talking about here is not that his hands were actually clean like before he would eat, but this is one of those laws. This is one of those added traditions. And and one of the things that is, is in Jewish culture, um, there is a lot of kind of ritual with, uh, or a high priority on ritual of, of being spiritually clean. Right, And one of the things that, that I wanted to share with you is this whole idea about washing the hands. And this was a, a ceremony, this was a ritual, this is something that is not like actually washing your hands, and you'll see that as I explain it to you, but it is a, it's kind of this symbolic ritual of of being cleansed. Now they had some different thinking in this time. One of the, uh, one of the, the rabbis, uh, I'm going to read from Chitzer Shulkan Aruk. Probably not saying that right, but, uh, you know, there's an explanation of, of let's start. This is not the actual meal hand washing, but it's very similar. Where, where he writes that when a man arises, when he wakes up, it says, when he arises from his bed in the morning, a person is considered as a newly created being to serve the creator Blessed be his name. He therefore must sanctify himself and wash his hands from a vessel, just as a Kohen or the the priest washes hands each day from a special basin. And so he begins these instructions upon when you wake up, you're supposed to wash your hands. And and Jews uh, still do this to this day. Why? Well, there's. he says, you know, this is one reason. The other reason is is that when a man is asleep, his soul departs from him. So this is, the, this, is this, um, this leader's thinking. Okay, So he says, his soul departs from him, and an unclean spirit comes and dwells upon his body. When he awakes from his sleep, the unclean spirit departs from his entire body except from his fingers, from which it does not depart until he pours water upon them three times alternately, and then he adds, it's forbidden to walk a distance of four cubits without washing your hands, um, unless it's extreme necessity. Okay, and so in the morning there would be a, a almost like a pitcher, and they would fill it up with water. And you would start with your right hand, you would pour, then switch your left hand, pour, 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 pour. Okay, like. And, and it's very specific in that if the water went up to your wrist, okay, then this part is all clean. But if it went further and it went back down, then that first part has has been made dirty again because there was dirty stuff here. When, you know, it's very specific. Even if your hands, you don't want your hands to be this way because it's thought that the, the water on the top was dirty, impure, but the water, once it goes on the bottom, it's okay. So if your hand went like this and the water went back onto the top of it, oh, it's dirty again, right? And so they would do this and then you would hold your hands up and the water would drip down and you would say, have to recite a blessing, okay? And the blessing that you would say is, Baruch ata Adonai, Eloheinu melech ha'olam, asher kereshanu which means blessed are you lord our god king of the universe who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us concerning the washing of the hands okay now before they would eat bread they would have to do something very similar to this And I I couldn't find for sure if it was two times. From what I read, it seemed like you only have to wash each hand two times unless it's for like Passover or uh, a special Sabbath meal. But that's what they expected. This was a very, it was not a like, hey, I got to wash my hands with soap and let's be clean. But it was like everybody's watching. And whatever I've done through the day, I want to make sure that before I eat, I'm spiritually clean, ceremonially clean. And so in front of everyone, they would take the basin and pour, pour, pour their hands up, say the blessing. And after the blessing is said, then they can wipe their hands. Okay, But they would wipe it on something else, not their hands, or it would be dirty again, and they'd have to do it over again. Okay, so, And if you went to the restroom during the meal, then you'd have to do the whole thing over again, but you didn't have to say the blessing again. You know, there's just so many different rules about this. Right? And so this is what the Pharisees are saying to Jesus. They're like, whoa, I can't believe He didn't do that. He didn't wash His hands before He started eating with us. In Matthew 15, Jesus has a a, a similar encounter where it's not him, but the Pharisees come after him because of his disciples. And that's not up there, but you can you can look it up, in Matthew 15. It says The Pharisees charge Jesus because some of his disciples are eating food, right? Um, So they actually, they say to him, they say, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? So they recognize it's not God's commandment. It's not, you know, why are they sinning? It's not, it's why are they not doing what our tradition says? What our elders, what our leaders have told us that we should do. And Jesus responds to them saying, you know, basically in that Matthew 15, he says, well, why are you guys breaking the law of God? You know, why are you disobeying God's commandments? So they're saying, why are you disobeying our elders? And he's saying, why are you disobeying God? And in that case, the example that he gives them is the Lord says to honor your father and mother. If you don't do that, then you deserve to die, or death is the penalty, right? And so he gives this example of of this law that that they had made, or this this um, kind of practice that they had. That these Pharisees they would give, they would be so good at giving their tithe, but then beyond that they would not help out anybody. So in this in that instance, Matthew 15, he says he says, you guys, you're 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 coming down for washing the hands like the elders, you're not even obeying God. How are you not doing that? You're not taking care of your parents. Why? Because you've created this loophole where they would say, these belongings that they have, they're devoted to God. They would say, these belong to the Lord. And they would continue to use that because they're they're stewards of that. They continue to use it until they felt, oh, God needs it, then I'll give it to God. So if I had five cars, and I only use two of them, maybe I'm rotating them throughout the week, and my mom comes to me and says, hey, my car broke. I need a car. Can I borrow yours? I say, no, sorry. I don't have any car to lend you. Say, what do you mean? You got five cars. Those are devoted to God. They're God's cars. <laughs> I can't. Right? That's basically what they, were, what they were doing. And so that's example that he gives to them. And this just gives you a picture of, of kind of where their hearts are and how they're operating. That they not only have been making these laws, but they've been kind of, as the creators of they've been able to kind of bend them to their favor, right? All right, so let's continue. Verse 39, it says, Then the Lord said to him, as, as he responds to them, they're like, Jesus, you didn't wash your hands. He's like, all right, now it's on, right? (laughs) Then the Lord said to them, Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean to you. He he throws a heavy punch to them, right? And you can imagine, like if you, if you go to a restaurant, you know, and you receive a cup, and there's something dirty on the inside, what are you gonna do? Well, some of you are just gonna, ah, okay, whatever, you know. But I, I know I know plenty of people that would be like, uh-uh, look at this, like, hey, 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 you know, and right away it's gonna get taken care of, right? Because that's not okay, right? If you have a bowl of soup. I love clam chowder myself, and if I got down to the very bottom of that bowl and I noticed that there was chunks of some other food stuck to the bottom, I don't feel right, right? <laughs> uh, that's, that's, not, that's not good, right? So I think we all agree that that really when we see that reality that, hey, the, out, the outside doesn't really matter as much. It's the inside that really matters, and that's the example that Jesus gives. He's like, you guys are like a cup. Then on the outside, it looks like it's all good. But inside, it's all messed up. And yet, I, th- I really believe that he still has a heart for them. And he tells them, if you just get rid of that filth on the inside, that greed, that selfishness, you guys would be clean. You know? He even, he's, he's telling them, just get rid of that. You'd be clean. And so he continues. And, and, and in this passage, he gives six woes. Okay. And a woe is, is kind of like a, hey, this is a judgment coming on them. It's a warning, but it's also a judgment. It's saying, hey, be careful because you're guilty of these things and you're going to answer for them. The first woe, well, he says, woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. And he's saying, you guys are so good about giving your tithe, about making sure that, that you are correct down to like the penny, because as they're told to to give a, a tenth of of what they produce, the crops or you know their produce. In their law, there's other plants like these mints and rue's, these little like herbs, that it specifically says in the laws it's exempt. You don't need to give of that, right? And yet they are giving of that. So they're so careful, so precise that they're going to make sure that, that they are giving their tithe, which is a great thing. But their heart is not you know, in that, that they're like, yes, God, you know, I want to give this to you. They're like, this is what I'm supposed to do, and I do that, and I'm good. And what's happening is that beyond that, there's no justice. There's no mercy. That anybody that's asking for help, that's anybody that needs anything more, they're saying, no, too bad. I already gave to God. Sorry. I did my part. And so even though it looks like, yes, they're being, you know, good or they're being generous and giving, the reality is, is that they're full of greed. They're full of greed and they're devoid of any mercy. And he says, woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces remember the pharisees were were these these leaders that were looked up to and in some of the layouts you know it would be like maybe some churches are even like this right today and and I'm not hating on them but I'll explain in a second but some they will have churches where where or a synagogue where the seats up front would be actually facing everybody else and that's like hey these are the important people and they would be sitting up there you know looking down on everyone else and everyone down here would be looking up saying, wow, those guys, they're on top of it, or they're special or they're, you know, higher than me. Likewise, in the marketplace, it was tradition that, you know, like, like many uh, of you here, maybe you can't even help it. Um, or, you know, that when you see someone, you say, oh, hi, hi, hi. And you just have to bow, right? It's a sign of respect. Well, for them, when they met someone that they saw was higher than them, like one of the, if, if it was a normal person and they came and saw a Pharisee, they would have to give them like special greeting. They would have to acknowledge them. You know, almost like maybe you can imagine like uh, acknowledging like a, like a king or someone that's royalty, you know, you bow, oh, your highness, you know, whatever. It was that kind of a thing. And it's not wrong that they're given respect but the Lord, that Jesus says, because you love the most important seats and the greetings in the marketplaces. You love that. You desire those things. That pride is what's driving you. 44, he says, Woe to you because you are like unmarked graves which people walk over without knowing it. Now, this is a big insult because Remember we talked how important it was to be clean. And there's this idea that there's transference of of this dirtiness. So if you touched a grave, if you came in contact with a leper, if you know any of these things happened, then you were seen as spiritual or ceremonially dirty. And you have to wait seven days and then go through a pretty exhaustive cleansing procedure before you were allowed back into the community. So they were always worried about becoming unclean because then they would be set aside and, you know, kept away from everybody else, right? That was so important to them. And so, like we mentioned, one of those things is is if you come in contact with a dead person, if you walk over a grave, instantly you're unclean. And so along the, the pathways and the roads and stuff, they would... They would paint the graves you know white. They would they would make sure that everyone could see where the graves were so that they wouldn't become unclean. And Jesus is saying, you guys, you guys are like unmarked graves. That people don't even know where the graves are. They don't even know what's happening. And when they come in contact to you, they become unclean that that's what you guys are like. What is your impact, right? 45, one of the experts of the law, another group connected, but a separate group. The experts of the law answered him, and he's, he's saying, hey, hey, you know, I'm feel, I think he's feeling convicted that, hey, Jesus is coming down on these Pharisees, but these things he's talking about it, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of applying to me too. And so he says, teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. And Jesus is like, yeah, I, I, got, I got you too, you know, and, he, and you experts in the law, woe to you because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourself will not lift a finger to help them. The example I gave you with the aisles it's like that. They just keep making rules, keep making rules, keep making rules. And in that process, they're just weighing down the people. Because you can imagine, if, if you have all these hundreds of rules that you got to think about, and you don't want to break, your mind is going to be going crazy. You're going to feel that weight, and you're going to lose that joy. And he says, woe to you, because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. And he's telling them, you rejected the truth. You rejected the truth. You know what happens with a prophet is is that they come and they they speak the word of God. Maybe they're saying, hey, you guys need to change your ways or this will happen. And what do the people say? They said, yeah, right. Give me a break. That's not going to happen. I don't like what you're saying. And so they kill them. And then what happened? That thing that they said would happen, happened. And then, oh, shoot, actually he was right. He actually was from God. Wow, that was a real prophet from God. Oh, well, we got to give honor to the real prophets. And so they would give that honor. And, And they would build up and decorate the tombs. And it was like, made them look good. Like, man, yeah, we're honoring the prophets. But Jesus like, you guys would do the same thing if those prophets came today, right? And really, they're going to reject Jesus, who all the prophets, all the word had been pointing to. And for that, they're going to be responsible. And the last thing he says is, Woe to you, experts in law, because you have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who are entering. And so he says, Not only did you reject the truth, but you're keeping others from accepting the truth. By the ways that they were, were, were talking about the word, about the ways that they were interpreting it, that the ways that they were saying, Hey, I'm an expert you know, in the word, and I'm going to tell you, What it means. And I'm going to tell you about the laws and the things that God wants you to do. And this is the way that we're specifically going to live. And it made it impossible for anyone to really receive that message. It says, When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you know, I just imagine it's kind of like that mic drop moment, right? Because he kind of gives that final sixth woe. And it says he went outside. He's like, okay, I'm done. When he went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Now today, as we you know, look at this, these, these are um, six different kind of reasons that, that Jesus gives these Pharisees of, hey, you guys are totally missing it. But when I looked at it, as I studied this this week, the thing that really stuck with me is that right before, and he talks to them about, hey, you guys, you either have light inside or you have darkness, right? And I asked you when we started, you know, what is your impact, right? For these people, I think it's clear that Jesus says, you guys have been given influence. You've been given position. You've been given knowledge of God who he is and what have you done with it what have you done with it have you brought people closer to god or have you driven them further away it's clear that in his judgment on them they are actually keeping people from god that even as he himself is in front of them that they reject him right and for that they're missing out So today I want to ask you, you know, what is your impact? That is, you've heard the word, even today you've heard the word. What is the impact that you have? And you may think, well, I'm not anybody important. No matter who you are, what you do, what your life looks like, you have the ability to influence. You have the ability to impact people that are around you. So don't take that lightly. Our weekly challenge, uh, you can take a picture of this. And I'll send it out. I'll email it out to you if you're uh, on the email list. If not, fill out a connection card, get it to me. Um, no, why don't you read Luke eleven thirty-seven 37 to 54. Um, that was our passage from today. If, if you like, go through the whole chapter, Luke 11, uh, or even 1 through 11. It's not that much, right? Grow. Consider the charges that Jesus brought against the Pharisees and the experts in the law. These woes, these things that he said, hey, this is where you guys are are messing up. Now, do you see any of those faults in your own life? I know I see some, right? And pray that God would show you who he has placed before you. Pray that God will show you maybe who you have the ability to impact. Ask him how you can make a positive impact on their life and then take action. It could be something as small as a smile, right? The other day I noticed that in the, I was in In-N-Out, and my guy that was standing outside to take my order, he came up to me and I had my sunglasses on. I said, hey, let me get a number one, uh, you know, grilled onions, da-da-da-da. And, and then he's like, all right, all right, you know, and I went on. And I looked in my mirror, and there was a girl behind me, and she got in a car, and she said, hi, how's it going? And then he was like, oh. And I thought, wow, just that interaction right there. You know, that probably made that guy feel very different, right? You have the ability to impact someone. As we close this time, you know, uh, another thing that, that I really, this morning, I've been, I've been thinking about is that, I, like I told you, that what happens when we get bogged down with all these laws and all these thoughts, is legalism, is that we lose our joy. We lose our joy. The Word tells us that that life with the Lord should be a life full of joy, right? Full of peace, full of all these fruits of the Spirit. So I think that's a great place for us to start is, do you see that in your life? Are you full of joy? And if not, then we need to begin to, to look at maybe why, right? And that's a prayer of my heart is that I would be full of joy. And let's pray. Team, you guys can come up and then just wait and Pastor Jenny will lead us in communion. Um, Lord, I just ask that, that you would help us to be people full of joy. This morning, I prayed that you would restore to me the joy of my salvation, that each day that I would know fresh and, and, and new that, that you have saved me and that because of that, because of that, I should be so full of your joy and your peace and your love. And that should affect and impact all those that are around me. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. This afternoon, we have the the joy of celebrating communion together. It's a meal, a spiritual meal that God invites us into. And it's been celebrated down through the years since Jesus' time. And we get to celebrate it as a church body here today. You know, Pastor Phil in his sermon shared about various additional rules that could be added on and used the example of communion and mentioned what it would be like if there were rules for how we had to walk through up the aisle to get communion and how close we could be to the person in front and how precisely we would have to follow a straight path and those rules sound just silly but I'm so thankful that we don't have rules like that that God imposes upon us for who can come and receive communion